Hello, so me and Phil are joined today by Nick Plews from Aghast. So, Nick, we wanted to ask you about your roots into music, how you first got into music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. No worries. Um, path into music. I think the best way of describing this would be when I first started playing drums, which was a complete accident. Ah. It was a complete fluke. I was never interested in drumming at all. From a young age, uh, we did all the I did all the usual stuff that I think everyone did at my age was play the recorder at some point. We were all forced into it like some sort of bizarre uh, slave labour. Um, <laughs> like you must play the recorder. We didn't. We weren't in a German school. Um, <laughs> we all played the recorder. I thought it was incredibly dull. Um, I, it put me off music a little bit. Then the piano came along. Uh, I regret not following the piano more, which is why I've recently purchased a keyboard to try and rekindle that because a lot of it's still in my head and basic kind of musical knowledge. Um, I think I was probably being quite aggressive with the piano, thinking I want to hit things instead. It must have been a subconscious theme because I started tapping on things constantly, tables, desks, things at home, things at school. I remember um, I must have been, I think, 12 or 13. I was tapping on a school desk and I had a group of people around me from my class, almost, I think, up to 10 of them all gathered around the table watching me. And I didn't realise they were watching me until I looked up of me basically going ape, ape shit on this desk. Um, nice. Yeah, and I thought, oh, hang on, that's weird. Didn't know I could do that. So I carried on doing it to much annoyance of everyone around me because eventually they thought I wish he'd shut up. Um, I think my mum and dad saw me doing this on a, on, a, on a desk. I think it was my dad's study at home. And one Christmas they bought me a very, very basic, very cheap um, drum kit. I mean, if I looked at it now, I wouldn't. You know, I think, what the hell is that? But at the time, it was amazing. But was it like a proper kit, basically? Yeah, like it was a basic. Kit? Yeah, it was a strange. It was a strange make manufacturer, um, but it was a basic kind of two rack tom. one floor tom, kick drum, um, snare. I think it was like two crashes, hi hats, and a ride. So it was pretty basic kind of general five piece. And I got behind it, and I could play it. Um, wow! Not incredibly well, but I could play it. Um, I instantly crossed my right hand over to the hats, my left onto the snare, and I was like, oh, I could actually put a beat together. And I hadn't had any lessons. And to much amazement, I think from, I think it must have been Christmas or my birthday, my mum and dad, the jaws dropped, because they just got it as a bit of a, um, on, on a whim. And they realised that I was capable of doing that. And I shot myself, and it all went all went wrong from there, really. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so, you, so you kind of, it sounds like you had natural rhythm then. Yeah, bizarrely, but I think everyone's everyone's got rhythm. Everyone's got rhythm built into them. I think it's a very, um, um, it's, since we've been cavemen, banging on things, you know, uh, in rhythm. Um, but it's how you deliver the rhythm. Yeah. And it's all the, also coordination. Yeah. So everyone's got a rhythm, whether they like it or not. Um, it's, I think the rhythm, we've got an inbuilt net metronome. Mm. I think our, our hearts beat to that. Yeah. It's, it's in us. We, we walk in time. We walk in time. I walk in seven, eight. Um, <laughs> I occasionally waltz. You do, uh, which is a lovely 3-4. From there, then, how did you progress? Because you do get a lot of attention for being quite a technical and good drummer. I think for, for myself, from the age of 13, from the age of 13, um, I played more and more. And I think I must have had probably three or four lessons at school. And I'm not knocking the teacher, but every time I sat down, he would say, oh, uh, Nick, could you quiet down a bit? And I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Oh, could you not do that? And it was more telling me what I shouldn't be doing rather than just letting me loose on it. 
So although he was probably right for discipline purposes, it was annoying at the time because I was like 13, 14 years old and that's the last thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to bash the shit out of it, really, whilst learning. Um, and I think f- from there, uh, I thought, well, let's just t- teach myself. But it wasn't what I was thinking. I didn't wake up in the morning and think, let's teach myself. I started to listen to, uh, I think at the time I was listening to a lot of my dad's and my mum's music. So, and I've always disliked pop music, apart from the odd track. Um, not to say it's not good, some of it. I just it just never clicked with me. So I was listening to a lot of my dad's stuff, like the Hollies, Beatles, um, the Animals, Procol Harum. I love like White Shade of Pale and stuff like that. And yeah. um, all my mum's stuff, like ELO, Queen. Um, I, I still love ELO and Queen, and I'm really pleased that ELO are gigging soon. I I should go because I'm a big fan. Um, and then suddenly, one day at school. Bear in mind, I'd already met up with, um, uh, soon to be a very good friend of mine, is now the guitarist in Aghast, which was Sam Sam Holmes. I was also starting to meet with, with James Anson, who's the vocalist in Aghast. So bear in mind, we, this is going back a few years. I'm 30 now. So this would have been 13, 14, 15, going on to 16 now. I was getting into heavy music. We listened to a bit like Pan, um, Metallica and stuff like that with Sam. And then suddenly someone gave me a tape cassette of Vulgar Display of Power, by Pantera. All the tracks were the wrong way round, but I didn't know that at the time. And I, I, I genuinely, I'm not just saying this, I remember the exact day and the minute I first put that on, put the headphones on my head, and then it just, I was like, what the fuck is this? So you literally remember that first moment. I, That's I, wicked. I really do, yeah. And it was in the old house I used to live in. And uh, I, no, I just won't forget it. I haven't. I didn't sit there thinking, oh, I want to remember this forever. It just hasn't left. So... From there on, I was like, right, that's it. And then my fashion changed, my outlook on life changed, and then I was obsessed with Pantera Fades, and then Slayer, and then all the usual stuff. Um, but, I mean, that was when Slipknot were getting big, uh, and stuff like Korn. So you have the new metal, wave of new metal coming yeah. over, so all guitar solos were gone. So we became a little bit accidentally, I think, a little bit elitist. We're like, oh, it's got to have guitar solos and everything, because we liked the older stuff. Yeah, right. Now, nowadays, I think we've kind of reverted back to that, kind of not new metal but we think actually we want it to be heavy and, and groovy rather than that kind of widdly stuff that we we're into when we we're teenagers yeah but when yeah. when you say you're out i look on life changed like how uh i mean in what way um i definitely drank more <laughs> <laughs> um that's why i say it went downhill from there uh because i my life became it might, I would say it's almost like a religion heavy metal it's bizarre like that and I was brought up in quite a religious school, a uh, very kind of Christian Church of England kind of place. We prayed every day. We prayed someone farted, so we know we pray. Be Lord's Wait, Prayer. Which school? Where's this? Oh, that was um, in Hitching, Kingshot School. Oh, I didn't know that was a religious school. Yeah, it was. Um, and uh, very, very strict as well. Um, but I think when I got into to metal, it gave... Cause I, when I was younger, I had a little bit of a problem with bullying and things like that. And I think the metal gave me... Like something to to la- to grab onto. I wasn't saying I wasn't supported or anything like that. I had a lovely life at home, have friends. Well, I did, my friends came came from actually getting into metal, really. Um, but that gave me this kind of uh, almost like a force field around me, yeah. where I was like, "Yeah, I listen to metal, so fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> That's a really nice way of putting it. I've yeah. always heard the thing about metal being referred to as a bit of a brotherhood and from being yeah, at school it. and from when I personally met you at the club mm. and people like Wilkie and Sam and that kind of thing, that sort of bonding immediately over music and the fervent passion 
that something like metal produces. Mm. Yeah, that's you say about a religion, but yeah, a brotherhood, a religion, yeah, it's sort of like a massive worldwide cult. But yeah. For those who get it, like I saw a little sketch the other day about if you see two people, if you see someone else wearing a Slayer shirt or something like that, it was actually G that said it, G. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, if you see someone else wearing a Slayer shirt walking through the train yeah. station, you just look at them and nod. That's and it. Like, ah, but I, yes. I, I tell you what, that's something that I used to do all the time. And in fact, um, good friends of mine, people like um, Alex Dovey, who was the, the sax player in, in Weight Loss, the Sky Punk Band, which I drummed in for a bit when they were on tour, which was interesting. I think I made all their songs really fast by accident i don't think they wanted blast beats in it but they did at the end that's a different story um i met alex in davies music in lechworth i was i was it was on a i think it was on a break at school and i walked past him and i've never met him before i just i saw he had big spiky hair and he had a he had a slayer t-shirt on so it's funny you mentioned this and i went cool play an instrument and we're just browsing the same metal bit and he went yeah i went cool so do i and then we've been friends ever since. <laughs> that's that's really that's really cool. Yeah, and and that's I think when you're younger you do it more, and I think mm. we should all do it more. Where you walk down a street and you see someone in a in a Pantera shirt or Apeth shirt or I yeah. know Emperor shirt, or whatever, and you go give them the horns or whatever. Yeah. If if I'm in a ridiculous mood, I'll do that. But I think most of the time you keep your head down. I think that's a shame. Yeah. People should do it more often. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that by doing it more, you establish a bit of a habit, and you sort of realise, oh, you can do that a bit more and you can yeah. talk to the people on trains and tubes and stuff like that and i try and live my life being that person just going well i'm never going to see oh, these people again you, and if i do it's yeah. because i'll have made friends with them do you know what's so the funny cares? i don't want to go on to, about it too much but right. a good example of it is um when people you were sitting at a pub or at a train station like you said and a random guy come up to you happened to me recently very smart looking bloke with a, with a nice smart shirt on short hair spiked hair and i had a crowbar shirt on I was just sitting in the bar, I was at a pub in Nickelford, and he came over and went, Well, they're good life. And I thought, Is this bloke, you know, does he want a, what's he want? You know, does he want a drink or something? What's a free drink? Does he want a fight? And he went, No, no. He said, No, like a glove crowbar, they're great. I looked at him, and we shouldn't really judge people, but he didn't look like someone who's going to. When I heard the voice and looked at him, I thought, Does that come from you? And he's just someone who obviously was into metal and's apparently grown up or been told he should, but deep down he's still. A massive metal fan and we chat about phrases and that's the best times and people surprise you like that yeah and it happens a lot for me at work and it's a very secret thing i'll i'll mention that i'm into metal and one of the, someone that i'm working with a staff member will go can i have a word and you go outside and go oh so um what bands are you into then <laughs> um, what's your band called to happen today a gas for the a card for a ghast oh. yeah someone just some random guy who i was working with and went yeah i'll check you out when i go home i'm really into that kind of stuff and it's just i love it yeah yeah, that, that is great. So, um, can you think of a first memory of music? First memory of music, full stop? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Um, and it's another one that doesn't escape my mind. I was lying in bed, and I think I was six years old, and it was uh, Queen's Greatest Hits on tape, and it was my mum's tape. So this would have been 19, probably 91 or 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a cassette player, cassette Walkman, and we I was listening. It went through from Bohemian Rhapsody all the way through. And once again, I thought this is incredible. But then um, I, st I kind of naturally, um, which is very strange, began to kind of split up the instruments in uh -huh. my head. So I could, all the vocal harmonies, the bass parts, the guitar, 
the overdubbing of the guitar, the vocals, and I thought, that's weird. And if I try to explain it to other people, they'll be like, what are you on about, right. mate? I, I've right. got, I've got, I'm into Teenage Mutant Hero Titles, so yes, that's, yeah. uh, I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm like, right, okay. Um, or some Disney bollocks or whatever, and I was more interested in, you know, watching Star Wars and listening to Queen. How metal is that? I think the more we do these <laughs> interviews with people, the more we're going to find Queen oh. coming back up. Yeah, yeah, I think with Queen, it's they're they're a great band because they've got that kind of theatrical uh, uh, sound, but also the amount of effort they put into the studio recordings, which are lots of whittling guitars, great solos, amazing vocals, yeah. great drums. It kind of ticks all the boxes mm. for lovers of all music, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, nowadays, probably you know, uh, the younger generation might be like, oh, I don't like that. Um, but Bohemian but, Rhapsody, know, I mean, that's they just the, that... deserve a punch in the face. Only <laughs> <laughs> joking. I mean, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, is, especially like for me, it's just like, oh god, it is, it is heaven, isn't it? It really is. It is, it is amazing. But well, the best bit about it was um, that that various parts of that cassette was warped due right. to age and damage. So um, what would happen was, it'd be like, is this the life? <laughs> and forever I thought that is what happened on the song. And I remember watching, Brilliant. I think it was the music video, and I thought, why is it not doing that noise? I must have a special edition tape. No, it was just fucked. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> Me and Phil were saying before, do you remember actually sitting there with a the pencil and the tape and actually uh, putting it all back and yeah. it was slightly warped and slightly I skewed? Feel the, the sensation. The guts, yeah, or, the guts of the tape. Another another thing that happens is put the tape in, take it out, and it's everywhere. The tape's vomited. It's yes. just turned to spaghetti that and was, committed that suicide. That's a horrible thing if it's music that you love, isn't it? It's like, oh, m what's happened? Yeah, not good. Oh, man. I wanted to ask about um, idols and icons and heroes and carrying on from Freddie Mercury. It makes sense. When you were growing up, anyone you particularly looked up to? That's a really good question. Um, I think the, the best way of looking at this is probably when I got into heavy music when I got into metal because before that I didn't really look up to any specific individuals I looked up to bands because I think I was too young to really understand that uh, or remember any I'm not one for remembering names of people not always people go remembers we can reel off actors and actresses names in films and yeah yeah you know my brain isn't why isn't wired that way and I think I find it really difficult to remember names of band members and things unless I'm really really into them but for me, probably when I was 13, 14, 15 plus, would have been um, Vinnie Paul from Pantera, mm -hmm. the drummer from Pantera, because um, I just, well, I think it's because of the first everything I heard and, and the way it was recorded um, was so crisp and, and, and massive uh, that you couldn't not ignore, you couldn't ignore it. Um, and I used to try and make my drum kit sound like his drum kit, but then when I got older, I realised that that's just because it's EQ'd. So I used to like down tune all the toms. So they sound like thuds, and then wonder why nothing worked properly, because obviously he just yeah, studio what, magic. What what other what other drummers do you uh, admire like now? Like you you you. Oh God, you know what? That's um, what about the guy from Death? Oh yeah, I mean Gene Gene Hoglan, um, uh, Death, Strapping Young Lad. Well, he's done loads of stuff. Um, he's done loads. Of, I, could, I could try and reel it all off now, but I'm. I don't think my brain's in gear enough, but Gene, Gene stuff, he's a great player. Um, I just, I just rate him a lot, but there's loads of drummers out there that I like. The drummer from Rush? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Neil Peart, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff I've seen with, with, that he's done, it's like, whoa. Yeah, really cool. Re you know. No, there's, there's a few drummers I like, um, Thomas Lang, um, I've got a couple of his DVDs, um, he's a very serious German man. 
these DVDs come across very much. And now you play it, and if you don't play it well, I'll find you and touch you in a nasty way. Actually, something I did want to ask you about how a ghast actually then got together and how... Because I always wonder That's how you guys go about writing the songs you uh, do. And Sam recently said something to me yeah. about sending demos over on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, he does that. And I assumed he was being facetious. <laughs> I assumed, wasn't. and I laughed. No, they, some of them are great because it'll be uh, a great, um, uh, completely frantic metal riff being played on an acoustic guitar through someone's phone with his lovely little snidey face behind it, um, with like the sun coming through the window. It doesn't really fit atmosphere, um, really. And it probably could sound like jazz. Some of his riffs. Um, some of the riffs that come through could come from a pop band. We just put distortion on them, speed them up, turn them upside down. Um, but yeah, the way we the way we write is we get in a room together and we jam, either mm -hmm. instrumentally or with James as well. So we'll jam riffs, beats. I'll come up with a beat just off the top of my head, or I'll be thinking about it at work. I'll think, tap on. And I'll think, oh, I remember that one. And I might even record it on my phone. And I'll go into the room and I'll, I'll bash the beat out and then Sam will play a riff or whatever, whatever he feels right over the top. Bear in mind that the chemistry between me and Sam um, is is gone on for years now since we've been, as I said, like 13, 14, 15 years old. When yeah. we first met, we've been jamming together since probably that, I think about that time. We were barred from the music centre at school and all sorts because we made so much noise. We made someone throw up once. Rock and roll. Whoa, whoa, you've got to tell us that story. Yeah, it was, um, we went to a boarding school uh, but we were day pupils, and it was in the assembly hall. It was uh, like assembly time, which we used to call morning talk. And they used to get us to do um, jams, like jamming stuff out. And we had we weren't called a ghast in it at all. We were called something ridiculous. And the music, the music uh, teacher who used to introduce us always got our name mixed up, and always said the song title, and then he'd call us the song title, and then the name of the band would be the song. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but we used to get things around. I swear he did it on purpose to wind us up. Anyway, we used to play so loudly, someone at the back, who was a boarder, who had a heavy night, vomited all over everyone. And, uh, yeah, that's um, that was great. I basically think that as a metal band, that is the greatest success that you can possibly have. Yeah, just makes them throw up. We made someone's morning terrible, which I think is the whole point of the genre. Nice. I know that you guys are a bit of a, a difficult one. There's a lot of people I know who come out with the, the line, oh, I don't really like metal and certainly not extreme metal, but I love a ghast. You must have heard that before. Yeah, that does happen quite a lot. And um, I, try and, I try and describe that to people when people say, oh, I don't really like that type of music. And they haven't really heard it. You know, they would have heard some, some shite on Radio 1 at some point and they refer it to scre a screamo. I don't really like screamo. It isn't screamo, mate. Right, it's not. I really like the, the like the instrument. I really appreciate the instrumental parts, but I just don't like the vocals. It's all shouting, etc., etc., etc. It probably, you know, in their brains they have a point, um, but that's because they don't really get it. Yeah, it's like me banging on about, I don't know, hip hop. I've got a clue where to start with it. I also don't like it, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, I do hear that quite a lot. People come along, kind of thinking, oh, go on, I'll give it a go. You know, and then they'll leave and they'll go, I don't know why I like that, but I really like that. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a funny one. There must be some sort of formula that we've, we've, we've hit the nail on the head with something there. Um, and I think it's a mixture between the, the performance aspect, the extremity of it all on stage, the fact that we are at times, you know, smiling and laughing, having a, a genuinely good time. It's not put on. We are having a good time. Maybe that comes across well. People think they're having a good time. Um, 
our music is extreme yet it's melodic and the riffs are quite are very tuneful you can actually hum some of our riffs uh which is which is bizarre and it's quite unheard of when it comes to extreme metal i do think you've got a point my friend rob burstow famously dislikes anything heavy and distorted but absolutely loves you guys because of the f the pure energy in it and he says it's sort of the energy in the show that gets him vibrating around when you played a uh, brandle school for Bullstock, when yes. you guys played that in that tent outside in we the school car park. some complaints for that, didn't we? Yeah, you may have been slightly loud, I think, was the complaint. Yes. Or, yeah. But it was it was beautiful, and you just get down in the pit and you jump around. And I know that by being exposed to your music, I've certainly become more into extreme metal. And it's not to crawl, it's not to crawl up your ass or anything. It's just like through being around here and you guys playing stuff. And you played some of the mixes of the the aghast that's coming to me as well mm. and the fact that you do have bits like um like in a wolf in the kingdom of heaven and king bitch that are could just be called hooks man yeah the fact that you have that kind of stuff i, th I, yeah. know, I think it really works yeah i think it does but it's taken us you know I'm, I'm thinking it's probably 10 years or so now that as i said that we've been jamming together we're still working out how to do it Right, it does. When people say, "Oh, it takes years," and when you're younger, you think, "Yeah, whatever." You don't know what you're talking about. It does actually take years to hone that kind of way of writing. And you say about hooks, our older stuff, even actually quite recently, it's full of hooks, but it's like all hooks. It's no let up in it, and I think that confuses the listener. And we've had yeah. to get this kind of constructive criticism from people within the industry. For example, um, uh, our our producer who did our debut album who's also just done the ep which i may have played you some parts of recently which uh will be out um in february time which will be free for all it's just a three track ep which sounds i'm absolutely chuffed to bits with the with the, the songs on it but also the uh the production is absolutely incredible it's uh it's been mastered by um chap in periphery which uh yeah this it sounds absolutely brilliant. And I'm really critical over stuff like that. And it's rare I'll actually listen to it and think, no, yeah, that's actually, that's all right, that. Forgetting the music, I'm talking about the sound, the actual sound of it. I'm happy with my performance, all the rest. But yeah. So a bit of a different uh, slant on things. Would you ever listen to music when you're very tired? Say you've woken up five o'clock in the morning. What, what kind of, what stuff do you like that would be more, more chilled? Probably something like Joe Bonamassa or some sort of like blue stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a great album in there, which is the... Uh, B.B. King, Clapton um, uh, album. Right, Riding with the King, is it? Yeah, indeed, yeah, that's the one. Um, stuff like that, but I put that's the kind of music I put on about um, about this time of the evening, so, you know, 8, eight o'clock-ish, um, glass of wine, maybe cut the mates over, all just, all just chilling on your, by yourself, staring out the window, blues on the background. Morning's got to be full-on to make you go, it's like a coffee. Music's a bit like having a coffee. That's just yeah. what I was going to say. And the thing is, when it's to me with extreme music, you don't need to go for a piss straight afterwards either. <laughs> Especially when you're stuck in traffic I, on the A1. I, I, I honestly believe that. Like some, some music I've been listening to recently, so some African stuff, it's got so much just spirit in it and so much mm -hmm. kind of just... I don't know what's the word. Like kind like, of world music-y thing. Going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, it's, it's got that vibe and you just do not need a coffee if you've got it, if you, if you kind yeah. of connect to it, you know? It does music. Oh, well, I mean, scientists are constantly looking at it, aren't they? What music does to your brain. Um, but it does. It's very therapeutic. Mm. But it can also, it can really piss you off if you're not in the right state of mind. Mm. I sometimes won't listen to music at all. I'll just, in my car, I listen to talk radio. Yeah. 
I don't listen to music very much because I either end up driving like a complete lunatic. And I'm not saying that I do. I find yeah, myself, yeah. oh God, I'm doing a hundred. Oh no, what's going? On? What is going on? And then this is Bon Jovi. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's just Bon Jovi um, all the time, really. Uh, no, that's it's frightening. So sometimes I just listen to boring stuff on the radio. Otherwise, so I lose it. So that, that's that, that is that is quite quite a funny image of you, kind of like yeah, just listening to to some extreme metal. And uh, just uh, yeah, I just I, I want to I see you in in a car doing that. Yeah, well, what happens is is you just power slide around <laughs> corners. Um, it's it's a real worry. Do you know what does it to me the most? Do you know what band does that to me the most? Go on. Out of all the bands, Motorhead. Right. Motorhead make me drive like a complete cock. <laughs> it doesn't matter what song it is. It, I'm off. That is it. Well, I was going to lead into what's the best gig you've ever either been to oh, or Christ. played, man. I know that's a hard question. Oh, gee, but... you know, well, been to, uh, we used to go 04, 05, 06, I think, believe 07, I can't remember now. We used to go to Wacken in, in North North Germany. We used to drive through it from here. Some great road trips. But wow. um, that was, I did that off six months after passing my test, which was the most ridiculous thing I've done, is yeah. just jump in a car and then just drive off into the into the sunset. Into a, into a different country where everything's opposite and the roundabouts are back to front. That's scary. It was awesome though. Amsterdam, Bruges, all these places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going to Wacken and seeing... I mean, I remember getting there in 2004 and we just parked up. We got our tents set up and the sun was just setting and we looked up onto the stage. Yeah, it was it was quite um, a biblical scene. And it was Dio. Uh... Ronnie James Dio, but his band, Dio. So it was, I didn't do a Sabbath or anything else, it was just here. And they, they played some great songs. Some of it I didn't know, but the sun coming, sun setting and that was absolutely magical. And that, that was incredible. Seeing bands, some of my favourite bands like Emperor um, reforming uh, that particular year and me seeing them um, at Wacken, uh, obviously on stage, I think I actually shed a tear, a genuine tear. And I'm not just saying that, I think I got nice. quite emotional. Now, that's what I personally look for in music. I want it to make me feel like I'm in a heightened state of emotion. That must be amazing. Yeah. Anything else that stands out as like a, a, an amazing live band or gig you've played or just wonderful moment? Wonderful, wonderful moments for me have been at Bloodstock. Um, I've been, been there once as a punter and I've played there twice and I've been there once as crew. Um and apart from work, it's such a brilliant, brilliant festival because it's like a big, big family. Um, and I'm not just saying that, it really is. And everyone gets looked after. It's a lovely kind of intimate feel. Um, and I, I, I had the, 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 a great time working on the Sophie Lancaster stage um, uh, this year. And I played the same stage last year. But the festival itself, I think, even you get people who moan about the, the lineup. You know, it comes on and people go, I don't like that. All these forums, all these like keyboard warriors start going off on one. And yeah, there might be some bands down there I don't like, but I don't go for that. I go for the actual festival itself. Yeah, yeah. And I will walk around when I'm not working it. I'll walk around just around without even looking at what, who's on. I like that. And I'm just going, oh, I'll pop in there. I'll pop in there. But and that, that, that's the joy of a festival. Oh, exactly. What, but people, some people, you know, they got, they, they've very, got a very negative outlook on things, which is quite worrying. But that's, that's with, any, with anything. Um, but Bloodstock tries to cater for, for all, I think, but it's still very much a, a, a proper metal festival. Something something I, I talked to a, a bit about with uh, James, your singer, was that, um, and I was quite interested to hear this, was that uh, he was telling me that metal festivals are 
they, they have the lowest rate of crime at any festival. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know that as a fact, but I, it sounds like it is a fact um, because, from my experience, uh, it you very rarely see or hear of any real crime because I think there's huge links between people. Everyone's there for the same reason, mm. and and you're you're everyone's got this kind of uh, common interest, and it's it's different to to going to a, a pop festival. Um, there must be a different mentality. Well, this is that metal brotherhood thing we were talking yeah. about. I honestly think that because of the whole, everyone thinks of themselves as maybe you know underdogs and joined by metal, but everyone's sort of there together and surrounded by people that they know appreciate the sound, even if maybe not the same bands. Mm. I think that actually goes a long way. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd be interested to see what it'd be like at a pure hip-hop festival because that should stretch as well that should be the same thing but i don't know i just don't know but yeah the idea of the brotherhood of metal does actually really appeal to it, me it does i mean look anywhere you go there's going to be dicks right yeah yeah not what, a like a buffet not <laughs> order <laughs> um nibble on the knob I wanted to ask, because I, I forget if I don't, but you've got that wonderful picture of you and Mr. Phil Anselmo on the wall in your living room as mm. well. Photoshop's a wonderful thing. Oh, come on. No, I'm joking, yeah. Yeah, that was, at, um, that was at Bloodstock when we played the Sophie stage last year, which, as I said, was a, was a massive a milestone for us. I think it, it really did. Um, it, what's the word? It was when we realised that we could do something like that and pull it off. And to this day, we still get loads of compliments about that show. People coming up saying, that was a great show. Great show, great energy, completely apeshit, fantastic. We got some great live reviews from that. We did a bit of press afterwards. And it was there that, um, obviously, Down were playing. So Phil came out, I think he was clutching a bottle of wine. We came out of the press area and everyone was like, oh, it's Phil Everyone got the cameras out. Obviously, we had our press passes because they last for a day, the day you're playing. And, uh, you know, James, Dan, Sam were there going, oh, shit, it's Phil. And I was standing with them and I thought, oh, no, bollocks, I'm going in there. So I just left them all and said, I'll be back in a minute. And I just waltzed in, pushed past everyone and went, oi. I tapped him on the shoulder and said, oi, Phil. And he turned around and made, made no sense. And then we, um, we talked for a while and then I said, isn't it lovely when people ask you for, to get a photo taken with you? Isn't that a nice thing to hear? And he said, yeah, man. I said, cool, let's do it then. <laughs> and then uh, we took a photo and then I said, you know, we, I try not to be an awkward fanboy. Um, but I said, look, I'm going to leave you now. But it's great to meet you. I've always looked up to you. Have a good one. And then I stopped it just before I turned into a twat. Nice. Nicely it would done. have happened basically. And then the guys are very jealous. jealous. Yeah. There's a uh, jazz um, trumpeter and uh, composer called Winton Marsalis. Okay. He was talking about um, music being, when you're making it with people who you gel with, as being, as being like a conversation. Yeah. That's on, it. on quite a profound level. Like he said, it's just, just, it's just me just, chatting to to the to the drummer no you've you know? got that spot on i think i touched on it earlier because i i do apologize i've been going off on one a bit some of the some of the some of the questions but um about the chemistry thing between two people i think it was originally with me and sam guitarist versus drummer which is normally the, normally the way 
Um, if you look at stuff like people like Van Halen, um, that it's a good other example of, of obviously they're, they're actual brothers, but that does help. But um, we just seem to know what each other are going to do. We'll end on the same time. We'll start at the same time. It's bizarre. It's like it, he we'll we'll probably both be not in time, but we're both not in time together. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people think that's sped up that bit. Well, but we'll end. We'll start and end at the same time. The bit in the middle, you know. It's like a sandwich. Well, the piece of bread are solid, but the fillings all over the place. <laughs> Do you actually still feel any pressure ever when you're behind the kit or performing? Because you are known as being a good drummer. So I just, I wonder, does that ever get to you? Or does that bolster your confidence or what? I don't overthink it. The beauty of being a drummer, I think, right, where it would... Recently I did um, with Sam Clark, um, who's a local chap uh, who is involved with Zoom, who manufacture cameras and, and sound equipment. You know, they're a bit like GoPro's rival when it comes to cameras and uh, that kind of and devices like that. And they asked me via Sam if I'd like to do some drum uh, solo, a drum solo, as well as um, playing a, an Agast track. Um, and uh, when, when, we're, when we're doing it live, we had, I was surrounded by, I think, four or five um, cameras and they're just to pick, literally just pick up the sound. Nothing was really mic'd up. Yeah. So it's showing off these devices and what their capability are, what the capabilities are. And I felt the pressure then because I can jam behind a kit without just complete improv, just soloing, like complete freestyle. But as soon as someone says, do it, I'm going to film you, that's when things go wrong. Um, so that simple little bit of uh, freestyling ended up being me going, no, 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 stop that, start again. No, stop, stop, let's start again. Let's start again, come on, stop, we'll start again. And it just, you overthink it. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I felt the pressure then because it's, it's, it's me by myself. That's pressure. On stage, you're sitting down at the back. There's normally loads of lights on you, so I can't, I can't see much anyway. And I'm just going for it. And I'm thinking, well, I've got to do it because if I don't, the whole thing's going to go to shit. Being the drummer, you've got instant pressure anyway. So the, the fact that you're on stage and there's a crowd there means nothing, really. It's about getting through the set without looking like a, too much like an idiot if you get you, it wrong. You do look very relaxed on, on stage. Because I'm thinking about dinner. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I never used to look too relaxed, but I think now as the years go on and your playing changes and improves, um, bear in mind, as I said, I have pretty much taught myself. So there's a lot of things I do which aren't textbook which aren't as you should, but I just do them anyway. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is why some drummers are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, you know, and it's probably difficult for them to replicate because what I'm doing isn't the norm, so to speak. But yeah. I think, uh, so, so now I'm quite interested, interested to hear, you mentioned hip-hop earlier and that you didn't really like it. Could you talk about why you don't like it? Yeah, sure. Um, I like, <laughs> no, I, look, there's nothing I actually completely dislike apart from if it's really, really terrible manufactured stuff that mm. what annoys me the tune might be okay but it's when people just lap it up and it earns loads of money and i think you i suppose it's a jealousy thing really you think all the blood sweat and tears that goes into what we do and then you got i don't know a couple of blokes on stage <coughs> one direction as a few blokes on stage who just uh are just prancing about doing some kind of loose vocal harmonies to a lot of backing tracks and I might be a live band at times. Yeah, well done. You know, do you want a gold star? Um, and then they'll earn loads for just. Do doing they? 
That just I'm, it's a funny one because I'm not trying to be. It's I, I respect them for what they do and and mm. good luck to them, but that isn't my idea of 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 a decent band. I was thinking about this earlier, listening to a Scroobius Pit thing. I don't begrudge them their success, and I know there are people that like that. There's That's all it. these fifteen-year-old girls that love it and eat it up. Absolutely fine, no worries. But why is there such a hoo-ha about it? Oh. And the answer is because they've got the money behind them for advertising. Uh, like, I don't begrudge it existing, but the fact that it's all over the radio and all over everywhere is annoying, and it's it's ridiculous. And that is why it's so this, it's so popular because it's fed to people, man. It, it completely. I mean, this is probably a completely different. Um, interview really because i could go on about this forever and you probably might end up with me breaking things or setting fire to something yeah and uh, i'd be joining in as well yeah not saying well we could set fire to different things but you can't set fire to what i'm setting fire to get your own but um what <laughs> with um bands like one erection yeah it's it's i could go on forever about it but i think with music like that when you when you when you're young you, you your mates get into it and then you get into it because you think it's cool and next minute they've shifted many, many units for something that people don't really understand what it is in the first place, and they'll be bored of it within a couple of years, and it'll end up in the bin. So it's got as much longevity in it as a banana. But do, do, does a 14-year-old girl need longevity? That is a, that is a disgusting question. <laughs> okay, no. sorry, you're gone. No, I was just going to say, that's why it's the pop machine. That's <laughs> why it just keeps going. There'll be something else along, yeah. along next time, man. And not to... <laughs> Not to even lean on. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Phil? Sick bastard. Okay, we're going to... So a bit, people, bit, a, bit of a game like now. Him. People like him come... Oh, sorry, mate. That's all right. Okay, okay. Okay, well, what I want you to do... I'm, I'm going to mention genres, right? Yep. Give me a word. Yep, It's sure. like free association. A word or a sound. I'm not even going to think about it. It's going to okay. come out. Country. Cucumbers. Drum and bass. Bass. <laughs> Classical. Hmm. Brit pop. Sorry. Brit pop. Who's a brick pop? <laughs> um, Brit pop. Lampshades. Hair metal. Spandex. Blues. Shoes. Coral. C. <laughs> <laughs> Power ballads. Crying. What crying? Yeah. Soul. Um fish. Try and think more about the music side of Sorry? it, yeah. You gave me crap instructions then, didn't you? Sorry, that's, that's my fault. No, I'm liking this game. Carry on. Techno. Phobe. <laughs> <laughs> R and B. Um rhythm and booze or rhythm and bass. Which one is it? Rhythm I said and booze. booze. Rhythm and booze. Rhythm and booze. <laughs> All right, I'm rhythm rhythmic and booze. booze. As this has taken a more psychedelic twist, I wanted yeah. to ask about um, your opinion, thoughts on drugs in music, because there's okay. always been a long-term connection between Definitely. You know, reggae and ganja. You know what I'm trying to mm. ask. Any thoughts? Anything, any specifics? Well, they were saying that a lot of 80s music was sort of fueled by, could say, cocaine and that kind of thing, and reggae's always had that influence from weed, psychedelic rock being the same sort of thing. Mm. I just wonder if drugs have ever enhanced your writing, enjoyment, or performing. Got it. Right. Of, dru of, of drugs? S simple. Have you ever performed <laughs> drugs of music? Yeah. Simple answer, no. In metal, especially with drumming, anything you take 
before going on stage will make you not very good. If you're not, if you are good that night, it will make you not very good the night after, and the night after, and the night after. Because, as you guys know, the stuff I do, I'm basically on the edge of my threshold. So physically, and I suppose mentally as well, I'm going as fast, not as fast as I can, but as fast as I comfortably can. Um, and I'm constantly thinking, what's next? You know, I'm, I'm planning almost what's going to happen next. And you have to be really on the ball. When I was younger, when I played in my old band, Black Eye, um, when I was 17 with, with Alex Dovey, as I mentioned earlier, um, Graham and Mark Wilkie and James Kahn, um, other local local guys, um, I used to drink five, six pints before going on and I'd have Snakebite Blacks lined up behind the drum kit at Club 85, for example, and I'd down them between songs. Now, I think because I was that young, I could just about pull it off, but some of it was shockingly bad, but in my head it was great. Um, with other drugs and things like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare dabble in it because smoking a bit of weed and doing what I do is not going to turn out well because you're mentally and physically not on form. If I play in a band like Electric Wizard or some sort of doom band, then I'll probably smoke as much weed as possible to make it um, flow really, really well. Or I feel if I was in down, for example, ideal. You know, I don't have to get stressed about it. I'd have to think, oh no, I might hurt my wrist again. Uh, I'd have to think, oh, I better go and do some weights so I can keep up with the blast beats. I can just go and have a few bourbons have a few spliffs, sit down, drum it, and then go and get even more drunk again and probably throw up on my own eyeballs. But what about just when you're on your own listening to music? Because personally, okay. I've always found it to be a great enhancer. You know that short answer I gave no earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think we've covered all the bases <laughs> on this one. Yeah, good, good. That definitely works. This was a good talk. I admit, actually, this has worked out incredibly well. You've been a lot more sensible than I assumed you were going to be. Okay. But actually, I feel I've learned a lot. I We've feel got, closer to you, That's Nick. fine. We've got a working song at the moment called Octopus Hands that we're, we're working on. Well, so. you told me because I turned up to the party the other day that's with sensible. an octopus glove on my yeah. hand. Do you remember the octopus glove? I, d I, I do, which is that why I haven't slept at all since. Due to excitement, horror, and general arousement. I, was a, I adored that very silly party. But... Nick, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It is really appreciated and nice to get to know a little bit what goes on inside that head of yours. If anyone out there listening to this wants to talk to me and Phil about their passage through and into music oh, and wants to come and have a chat with us, then we'll include our contact details, get in touch. And thanks again, Nick. Thanks again, Phil. Not a problem. Thank you. The Queen, the Christmas, talk about me and my undergarments. <laughs> we went for quite a lot of bass players. One of them, the school used to wear pink slippers whilst playing, but it wasn't in a kind of funny way. He just genuinely liked wearing pink slippers. He didn't last that long. Um, <laughs> my favourite one is when uh, James was leaving the stage and he goes, thank you, we've been aghast and I hope you have too. Yes. And that's my favourite, favourite line from you guys. Basically, too many people tickle the drums. Just smack the fuck out and stop messing about. Come on now. Yeah, that's always the reputation aghast have had, like as being oh, a particularly deadly. serious, deadly serious oh, band. Like. God, yeah. When Before we go on stage, we all get an abacus and we just add up. Traditional folk. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and the last one, Barbershop Quartet. Scooby-Doo-Bah. No, it's not even Barbershop, but in my head that worked then. 